morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Rashawn Smith, and I'm here to <laughs> preach the word to you. I have the honor of doing so this morning. Um, all right, just getting everything set there. So we're going to be looking at uh, Luke chapter 2 in verse 22 through verse 51 today. And we're going to talk uh, about waiting, and, and not just waiting, but uh, how we wait. And we're going to see great example, uh, two great examples of waiting, actually three uh, great examples of, of waiting. You, you got to include Jesus in there, right? Um, and I, I want to say hello to my family that was able to make it out, my physical family, and, and hello to all of you, my spiritual family as well. But we're, we're all waiting for something, right? Uh, right now, looking, looking around, uh, some people are, are waiting for finances uh, to return to normal, Wait, maybe waiting for a second stimulus check or tax returns, waiting for stores to open or waiting for places to, to rehire or give more wages. Uh, we're in the midst of a pandemic. People are waiting for normalcy. They're waiting to feel safe uh, for, for their children, their, their babies, to be able to go back to daycare, uh, waiting to, to no longer have to wear masks, right? And, and throw your clothes in the washing machine as soon as you cross the threshold back into your home, waiting to no longer have to sanitize everything uh, like crazy. And uh, just, just waiting to, to be able to travel safely and to visit family back home. Uh, people are waiting for social justice and, and racial equity and for everyone to all races to be seen as equals. Uh, people are waiting for statues and symbols that cause mental and emotional trauma to be removed. People are waiting for spouses to become Christians. They're waiting for, for relationships, for someone to date, to get married. They're waiting for friendships to be reconciled and relationships to be mended. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 22, we're going to look at, at two people, two examples of people waiting, uh, specifically on the Messiah. But I hope that we can draw inspiration from how they wait on the Messiah. Amen. So we'll turn to Luke chapter 2, and we'll read 22 through 51. I usually say when you're there, say amen. I wouldn't be able to hear you, but I trust. Amen. Oh, all right. Amen. <laughs> all right. So in Luke chapter 2, we can start in 21 for a little bit more context. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name of the, the, name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was, a, who was righteous and devout 
He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. He had been reve- it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents, so, excuse me, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the rising and falling of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phineal of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone that heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Amen. Amen. So we see, we see two people here waiting. Uh, first we see Simeon. Simeon, who is, he's righteous, described in the scriptures, righteous and devout, that he was waiting, it says, for the consolation of Israel. Uh, in other words, meaning he was waiting for the comfort that would come to replace the pain and replace the, the grief felt in Israel at that time. And the Holy Spirit told him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. 
So the Holy Spirit took him to the temple courts where he meets Mary, Joseph, and the Messiah. He, he holds on to God's word. He believes God's promise. He believes the Holy Spirit. And he's devoted. And this allows him to be in a situation for the Holy Spirit to move him to see that promise fulfilled. And not only does he see the Messiah, but apparently Simeon is the one in the fellowship that will come over and, and, and ask to hold your baby <laughs> and pick, pick them up and, and, and hold them in his arms. And I can't imagine how long Simeon may have spent going to the temple wondering, is this the day that I'll see the Messiah after being told by the Holy Spirit? Just, just wondering, maybe it's today. No, no, I didn't, didn't see him today, no prompting. Okay, maybe tomorrow. Tomorrow comes. Maybe it's today. Maybe today I'll see the Messiah. No, no prompting. Maybe, maybe tomorrow. Tomorrow, today, who knows? Who knows how long he was waiting? But he was waiting on God with total devotion and righteousness. This idea of righteousness means that he lived his life in such a way that when you looked at his life, you gave glory to God because you, you saw the person's righteousness. It all brought glory and attention back to God. And then finally, being told by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple courts. It's like, okay, go to the temple courts, all right. And then seeing Mary and Joseph and Jesus uh, walking, a young couple walking and being told by the Spirit, this is them, this this is him, that's the Messiah there. And to think of the, what he felt to see the Messiah finally. This is the one that was talked about from, from times of old, from the prophets, from Isaiah, Zephaniah, that, that the Messiah would come and deliver Israel. He would have known this full well. So to see, after being told by the Spirit, he would see him. And to see him, you could see where his in, encouragement, his uh, excitement, he would just come and grab Jesus from his parents and say, oh, oh my, oh my, we've been waiting for you. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace for my eyes have seen the salvation that you have prepared in the, in the sight and the light of all people. A sign, a light, a revelation to your to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. You can imagine Simeon giving him back to Mary and sharing with Mary that this child will cause the rising and falling of many in Israel and that he will reveal the thoughts of the hearts of many. And then finally prophesying to her and a, a sword will pierce your heart also. Simeon was waiting. He was waiting for the Lord. He was waiting for the Messiah, but he wasn't just twiddling his thumbs. He was devoted to God. He, he believed God's promise while he was waiting because he knew that God is faithful. And where was he? He was in God's house among God's people. And that's how Simeon waited. What, what encouragement we can draw from our brother in the faith, Simeon, that, that we too can, 
can look at that example of how he waits for the Messiah and that we too can draw inspiration that, man, I can trust God's word. I can believe the promises that he knows the plans he has for me, not to, not to destroy me, but to prosper me, to give me hope and a future that we can, there's so many promises in the scriptures that we can grab and hold on to and believe and be devoted to living righteously in righteous devotion as we wait for the Messiah. How long was he waiting? I don't know. But I know he was overtaken by excitement once he received the promise that he believed would come. Amen. And I hope that, that we could see that example and, and be inspired by that example in Simeon. And then we see a, another prophet that comes up, a prophetess, Anna, who is an old woman um, by the scriptures. I believe the scripture said that. I'm not, you know, calling her an old woman. The scriptures that, that, uh, describe her as that. But she's a widow of seven years. She was married. Uh, no, excuse me. She was married for seven years. And she was a widow for at least 84. Some manuscripts say she was a, a widow for 84 years. And the most that I could find was that she's a widow at the time of, of Simeon meeting the Messiah. So unless she had children in the family, there was, there was no one to provide for her at that time. The only support that she would have gotten would have been from the temple, would have been God's provision that, that he had put in his law for widows. And we look at Anna and we look at how she waited. We saw how Simeon waited. How did our sister Anna wait? She waited worshiping God day and night, praying and fasting, never leaving the temple. She comes up to Joseph, Mary, Jesus, and Simeon, praising God and starts to tell people, this, this is the child, this is the one. She starts to share the gospel with people. She's among the first to do this. He's going to be the one that delivers, delivers Israel, delivers Jerusalem. Even going back a little bit to her life, even though she had unexpected turn in life, where Anna, she, she waited faithfully in faithful devotion to God. Things didn't go according to plan for Anna all those years ago. But in the midst of that hardship that would have changed everything in her life during that time and in that culture, she waited on God and she waited with great devotion. God is faithful. And even now, we're going through some hard times, isn't, aren't we? Uh, you know, the, there's a lot that's going on uh, right now. And make no mistake, we're all going through, through hard times. But I'd like to take a little bit of time to share some of the things that I've experienced, if you would allow me to do that. Recently, uh, one was I was really excited about participating in a community program. Thanks, Rachel. In a community program. And so I applied for this program. Uh, it would help me to go in the direction of achieving some long-term goals. And, and I was excited about it. And I applied and everything seemed to be going great. They seemed to be excited about what I was bringing to the table. And then I was not chosen. 
it's very disappointing. It was, it was very hard to not be chosen for, for that opportunity. Another thing that happened, uh, totally unrelated, was I was in the supermarket and I was coming up to the, I was at the, the register, basically the end of the conveyor belt and honoring and, and it, it helps me to feel safe to honor the six foot rule. I'm not speaking to anyone else. This is, this is me, for me and my household. <laughs> we will follow the six foot rule um, of social distancing. And so there was uh, customers up at the register. I'm at the end, I only have one item. I put it down and it starts moving towards the cashier. And so I'm waiting at the end for them to go. And someone behind me comes alongside me and just starts loading up the conveyor belt uh, with their groceries. And they're, 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 within, they're within arm's distance. And, uh, and I, I felt very uncomfortable. That, you know, that, was, that was what I felt about the situation. I felt uncomfortable um, being within that proximity. And so, I shared with them, I said, oh, I'm, I'm observing a, a six, social distancing is what I said. I'm, I'm observing social distancing. The person stops loading, grabs their stuff, and starts throwing it back in their cart. They're putting it back in. Like they were, you know, if we were playing tag, I could have tagged them. They would have been it if we were playing freestyle. But they start, they start doing that, and I look back at them, and they're just staring at me. Straight play, face, just like this. And I'm looking back. And, okay. And so I stepped to the side and I was like, you know, you can, you can go ahead and load in. I, I, I took, you know, enough space to the side uh, uh, of, the, of the register to, to let him go. And he's like, oh, no, 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 it's okay. It's all right. And so I was like, okay, that's a lot of, that's a lot of energy. All right, so um, the people in front of me go, and I go up to the cash register, and it's only one thing, so there's nothing on the conveyor, conveyor belt, basically. And I'm starting to pay for it, and I guess the cashier had asked them to start loading the stuff. And the person behind me says, oh, no, no, he wants to keep social distancing. He, he wants to keep six feet, so I'm not going to load my stuff. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So I pay for my stuff, I grab it, and I say, have a nice day, and walk out. But that was tough. That was a hard time for me because it, it was just hard to let that go. Thinking of, man, how could I have responded? What could I have said? That and the third, totally unfruitful stuff at a point um, later on that I had to wrestle with, but it was hard. There was a hard time for me to be able to, to let that go and put that situation behind me. Um, another hard time for me recently. Uh, at my job, the Office of Equity and Inclusion has a course where I've been learning about the social construct of race in America and its negative effects from the early 1600s to present day and how systems were set in place to ensure that African Americans, both then and now, are viewed and treated in a way that's inferior and especially then less than human even, written in written in the constitution. And so that's some hard stuff. <laughs> that is hard. It's hard to hear, it's hard to process, it's hard because in the midst of it, I'm also thinking about my experiences with these things. 
it's hard. And, and even my conditioning and how I could feel towards other people based on, on how deep these systems are, um, especially in light of current events, right? And so the list here of the recent difficulties for me is not being selected for a community program I pursued, being passive aggressively heckled by a random guy at the supermarket, processing the, the prejudices, implicit biases, racism and injustices that I'm learning more and more about on a deeper level, plus processing what I've experienced myself. And I haven't even mentioned the, the loss that our, our family has had within the past year. Times have been hard. And it's not just for me. It's, it's not the, the, the Rashawn Boo Hoo party. It's been hard for everyone. Anyone, all of us, for all of us, any of you could come up here and share about how hard it's been. And I'm sure all of us have shed tears at some point in 2020 because of the difficulties that we face. It's, it's just a very hard time. But you know what? In the midst of this hard time, what I see from Luke, it's so encouraging, is that God sees us. God sees us while we're waiting. God sees us. As we're waiting for all the things mentioned earlier on, God sees us. And when I think about recent experiences and studying out the passage, I can't help but to think about Anna. And I can't imagine what Anna was going through in terms of the hardship when she lost her husband in that culture at that time. True hardship, true trauma that she experienced. And her whole life would have been going, she had a whole life ahead of her. Everything was set. She was married, she's set to go in a household where she could, she and her husband could help to support others be a beacon to others, be a light to others, entertain, be hospitable, and, and help other people. To when her husband dies, all of that changes. She goes from a situation of being able to support others to now needing to be supported, very much depending on her situation. There goes her status in the community, her legal rights, and, and inheritance of any sort. And if she had no children, then she likely didn't have a retirement plan, no one to take care of her in her old age is, is what you would think or what would have been the case in the culture. Amen for God's provisions, right? But she showed where she placed her hope. She worshiped God daily, fasting, praying, prophesying, and God saw her. He remembered her. He gave her honor and the Messiah that she would have been talking about as a prophet and telling other people about, God gave her honor by allowing her to meet him in person. As Simeon is holding up baby Jesus, praising God and prophesying to Mary, up comes Anna, 84 years old. If she was a widow, she, she likely would have been married in her teens. Let's say if she was a widow by her late teens, mid twenties, let's even say she was a, a widow by 30. Our sister in the faith spent 54 years waiting for the Messiah in complete devotion, praying, fasting, 
preaching the word of God and in seeing Jesus, the Messiah, she started to preach the gospel. This is the one who will redeem Israel. The kingdom has come. She held on to God's promise through hardships. And that's great inspiration to us. That's great encouragement to us that we see people that, that can go through things that, that we can relate to, but to see how they wait, how they waited for the Messiah. That's a great example of, of what we can see and what we can imitate and where we can go with God's grace and mercy. God saw Simeon in his waiting. God saw Anna. God sees you, sister, in the hardships and in your waiting for the Messiah to return. God sees you, brother, in the hardships. He sees you holding on to God's promises. He sees you and gives you the strength to pursue the same devotion of our brother Simeon and our sister Anna. Waiting for the Messiah with righteous devotion because they believed God's word and his promises. They were in Jesus's house, and excuse me, they were in God's house among God's people. And Jesus, Jesus waited too, right? Jesus had to wait. Remember, he never called us to do anything that he was not willing to do himself, right? Jesus also had to wait. We see at the end of the chapter as a 12-year-old boy, he is already astonishing the, the teachers of the law, the, the, the spiritual lawyers, if you will, of God's word. He's, he's astonishing them. He's listening. He's asking questions. These, these folks are like, what in the world is happening here? This is like a kid prodigy of God. Little did they know they were talking to the Messiah. And Mary and, and Joseph had to wait too. They had to wait four days, one day on the road, three days when they got back to find Jesus. But they find him at 12. Jesus goes, he grows in wisdom and stature, listening to his parents. At 12, he waits 18 years, although he likely could have started preaching and healing people at 12. 18 years he waits to begin his ministry. After that, he, he waits another three years while during his ministry, he's bringing in the fringe groups, the outcasts, bringing in those who have been cast aside by, by society, by, by demon, demon possession, by the sinful way of their own lives, by diseases. They've been cast aside by uh, their disabilities. And he heals them. He takes care of them. He gives them God's word. The kingdom is here. No, you were on the fringe, you can come back now. I've, I've healed you uh, of your condition, of your disease. I've taken the demon out of you. Now go back and present to the priest and give what God requires by the law. I have forgiven your sins for the sinful life that led you to be an outcast. Now go and repent, sin no more. He brings three years he spends waiting, bringing his people in. And then... For, for all of it, he's crucified, and he waits again. <laughs> he waits again for three days. He waits, and he's raised again. In transitioning to the time we have to, to honor 
his death, burial, and, and his resurrection, he, he, he waited, he rose, and he gave us the opportunity to also be able to wait for his return. Not, not just waiting, twiddling our thumbs, or, but waiting as completely different new people with a new vision for life, new priorities, forgiven of our sins and able to enter into his temple and into his kingdom. Jesus did that for us. So as we take the bread that represents the body of Christ, and as we take the juice that, that represents his blood, I, my prayer, my hope in, in hearing about, about Jesus and how he waited, in hearing about Simeon, our brother, and hearing about Anna, our sister, and of course our Savior, our Messiah, my prayer and hope is as we take the bread and the juice that we remember Jesus and that we're also inspired to live with the hope and devotion of Simeon and Anna as we wait for the return of our Messiah. Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is Will Portillo, and if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, visit us online at blueridge.church or connect with us on Facebook at Blue Ridge Church of Christ. Visit us on YouTube and subscribe for weekly sermons, encouraging news, and short devotionals. Thanks for tuning in, and see you next time.